Section 21 of Hildebrand and His Times by William Richard Ward Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 15 Close of the Pontificate of Urban II. Election of Pascal II. Revolt of Henry, son of Henry IV. Death of Henry IV. His character. 1096 to 1106. Part one. Whilst the Pope had been making his grand progresses, the Emperor remained inactive and forlorn in the northeast corner of Italy, sojourning chiefly in Verona and Padua. He had no troops and but few companions. He begged for succor from Venice and Hungary, but none came from either quarter, and he could not return to Germany because the passes were occupied by the enemy. At length, a ray of light was shed upon his darkened path. The marriage of the younger Velf with Matilda had brought no satisfaction to husband or wife. As such, indeed, they had never lived together. The countess had received but little aid from him or his father in the contest with Henry, and they were disgusted to find that her possessions were irrevocably made over to the Pope they now broke off their alliance with her and reconciled themselves with henry on the understanding that the elder velf was to be reinstated in the duchy of bavaria their reconciliation set free the passes of the alps and about easter ten ninety seven henry quitted italy never to return he was well received at regensberg where he spent whitsuntide then he went on to nuremberg Würzburg, and finally Speyer, where he held a court. Gradually, some of his old friends rallied round him, and in May 1098, at Mainz, a diet was held in which Conrad was deprived of the right of succession, and his brother Henry, now sixteen years old, was elected heir in his stead. The emperor took him to Aachen, where he was crowned, after taking an oath that he would not attempt to interfere in the affairs of the kingdom during his father's lifetime. For the present, there was a lull in the strife between the Pope and the Emperor, partly because Henry's party in Italy was completely vanquished, and partly on account of the overwhelming excitement of the crusade, absorbing all other interests. Germany was in a deplorable condition of anarchy, Henry's spirit was much broken, and his authority fatally discredited such nobles as returned nominally to their allegiance extorted great privileges as the price of their obedience many of the chapters asserted the right of free election and set up bishops in opposition to those who were appointed by the king and death soon deprived him of several prelates who had been most faithful to his cause conrad of utrecht and hermann of Köln died in ten ninety nine and in eleven o one limar of bremen and Eigelbert of Trier. The triumph of Urban over Henry and the anti-pope was almost complete, yet even now his position in Italy was not thoroughly secure. Although Clement himself resided for the most part in a fortress near Ferrara, the castle of St. Angelo was still held by his partisans. The Normans also continued to cause vexation and anxiety count roger would not recognize the authority of the papal legate in sicily and his aggressive movements in southern italy made the pope tremble for the safety of benevento 
in 1098 urban went down to salerno and made terms with roger somewhat humiliating to the dignity of the papacy legates were not to be sent to sicily without the consent of the count or his successors and when the pope summoned a general council the count was to select the bishops who should attend it and to determine their number certainly the normans if sons of the church were wilful and wayward sons but they were too useful and too strong for the pope to venture upon a quarrel with them and urban no doubt regarded the concessions now made to roger as a necessary price to pay for the safety of benevento and the maintenance of his own position in rome from salerno the pope went to bari where in october ten ninety eight he held a great synod attended by a hundred and eighty five bishops the chief subject of debate was the question between the western and eastern churches respecting the procession of the holy ghost the doctrine of the western church had the advantage of an unrivalled champion in the person of the most illustrious scholar and theologian of the age anselm archbishop of canterbury had sought refuge from the persecution of the king of england william the red with the pope whom william refused to recognize he was the honoured guest of urban who flatteringly called him the pope of a second world and he now astonished the assembly by the eloquence learning and invincible logic with which he handled the difficult subject under discussion meanwhile urban's partisans succeeded at last in capturing the castle of st angelo in november ten ninety eight he returned to rome christmas and easter were celebrated in peace and in the third week after easter a great synod was held in st peter's the call to the crusade was repeated and thousands responded to it with enthusiasm genoa and pisa fitted out ships for the transport of the warriors and the archbishop of pisa himself accompanied the expedition some of the crusaders entreated urban himself to go with them but the venture was too great italy was too unquiet and the party of the anti-pope although exhausted was not extinguished no pope indeed ever accompanied a crusade and the possibility of defeat of capture and of insult was too great a risk to be faced by the spiritual head of christendom and as for urban though he knew it not his life was fast drawing to its end on july twenty ninth ten ninety nine he died at rome so suddenly that there was not time to give him the viaticum urban was the third great pope whose pontificate falls within the period of this narrative he had the restless zeal and energy of leo the ninth combined with more of worldly wisdom and craft no pope since leo had made such long and brilliant progresses in distant parts of his spiritual empire but while leo had laboured hand in hand with henry the third for the reformation of the church urban like gregory had to work in opposition to the emperor he carried on what gregory had begun he completed the humiliation of henry he set in motion the crusade which gregory had designed that supremacy of the roman see which gregory had laboured to establish was now undoubtedly acknowledged by italy gaul and spain these countries all recognized urban as the only lawful pope and were all drawn together by the common bond of the crusading movement 
which he had instigated and directed the blot in the pontificate of urban is the feeble and wavering support which he gave to anselm in his strife with william the red the sad truth must be told in the words of an english chronicler that overcame rome which overcometh all the world gold and silver the most illustrious scholar and saint in europe who was struggling manfully for the very same principles as those which were professed by urban was sacrificed to the venality of the pope's ministers which urban ought to have detected and suppressed but did not on august thirty first ten ninety nine in the church of san clemente the cardinals unanimously elected cardinal renarius as urban's successor he was consecrated the next day at st peter's under the title of pascal the second pascal was a native of the little town of bieda in tuscany and had lived in rome for more than thirty years gregory the seventh had made him a cardinal and in his principles he was heartily gregorian but experience proved him to be deficient in strength of character and purpose in a small sphere he had the credit of being a resolute and almost a great man but the difficulties and responsibilities of high office discovered his weakness the beginning however of his pontificate was prosperous roger of sicily made him a handsome offering of one thousand ounces of gold which he used partly in raising troops to attack albano where clement was now residing partly in bribing the inhabitants to surrender the place they were not proof against the temptation but the anti-pope himself escaped to sutri where he tarried for a time hoping for succour from the north which came not then he retired to civita castellana where he died in september of the following year eleven hundred even his enemies admitted that the anti-pope was a man of great ability and real goodness worthy of a better cause than that which he had sustained with dignity and courage for nearly fifty years his partisans chose a successor who was almost immediately captured by pascal and another elected in his place soon shared the same fate both were banished to monasteries in apulia on july twenty seventh eleven o one conrad died at florence full of remorse for his rebellion against his father he had been a mere puppet in the hands of matilda and the pope but his death seemed to remove the last link which bound italy and germany together not that pascal's authority was questioned in germany but men troubled themselves little about him there and few would have exerted themselves to support him except the disciples of the great abbey of hirschau which was a kind of german cluny for a time there was a lull in the feuds which had distracted the kingdom the emperor had proclaimed a peace at the diet of mainz and required a solemn oath from the nobles to observe it for four years as soon as he could re-establish order in the kingdom he proposed to go upon a crusade had he gone it is possible that he might have restored some lustre to the imperial crown but the opportunity never came the task of enforcing order in his kingdom proved too much for his strength the more resolutely he tried to curb the lawless and oppressive action of the nobles the deeper became their hatred and discontent the murder of count conrad of beichlingen by a band of peasants in eleven o three 
and of Count Sieghard by some court officials in a tumult at Regensberg in 1104, furnished a pretext for the rumour that the emperor instigated such deeds of violence and inflamed the public mind against him. The strife with the pope was only in abeyance. In a letter to the abbot of Cluny, written soon after the death of the antipope, Henry had expressed an earnest desire for reconciliation with Rome, but the action of Pascal cut off all hope of a settlement. He publicly renewed the excommunication of Henry. He secretly fomented rebellion in every direction. Henry found himself entangled in an inextricable network of difficulties. The curse of the church haunted him, turn which way he would, and blighted all his efforts and plans. Under the shadow of that curse he could not enforce his authority at home, and therefore he could not go on the crusade. Disaffection spread and secret meetings were held, and gradually a plot was formed for deposing the king and putting his son Henry on the throne. The young Henry was a selfish, heartless man, consumed with ambition, and was easily persuaded to think that he might restore the empire to its former glory if he seized the reins of government before it was too late. He was no more inclined than his father to tolerate the turbulent independence of the nobles or to submit to the dictation of the Pope, but he affected sympathy with both as long as it served his turn. He was, in fact, a master of the art of dissimulation. A dispute between an imperialist and a papal party about the election to the see of Magdeburg furnished an opportunity for his revolt. A deputation of the imperialists on their way to the emperor had been assaulted and captured by Count Dietrich, one of the papal faction. In November 1104, the emperor set out for Lüttich with a body of troops to punish Dietrich. On December 12th, he reached Fritzlar without suspicion of treachery, and on the next morning he learned that young Henry with some of the nobles had deserted the camp in the night. It was a crushing blow. The emperor instantly fell back upon Mainz, while the perfidious son made for Bavaria, where he was cordially welcomed by the disaffected and conducted to Regensberg. He pretended that whilst his father was under the curse of the church, he could not conscientiously live with him, and that with the approval of the pope he was ready to undertake the administration of the kingdom. After Christmas, an embassy was dispatched to Pascal to ask how far Henry was bound by the oath which he had taken to his father at the time of his coronation. Messengers, meanwhile, arrived from the emperor, imploring his son not to be lured by false friends and flatterers into the sins of perjury and rebellion. But the only reply was that as long as his father remained excommunicate, Henry could not hold any intercourse with him. In February his envoys returned from Italy with the answer of the Pope. Pascal absolved Henry from his oath and assured him of final salvation if he would play the part of an upright king and a faithful defender of the Church. By a strange inversion of moral principles, the new king's reign of righteousness was to start from an act of treachery and rebellion, an act which immediately plunged the kingdom once more into all the horrors and miseries of civil war. Bishops and nobles were divided into opposing factions. Rutat, Archbishop of Mainz, 
who had been banished by the emperor for his cruel treatment of the jews was one of the first to join the rebellion together with many of the saxon and thuringian nobles henry was invited to saxony which as in the days of rudolf became the chief centre of revolt a diet largely attended was held at goslar where it was resolved that the church in saxony should be purged by the expulsion of all imperialist bishops a decree which was promptly and mercilessly executed not only were the living ejected from their sees but the bodies of the dead were dug up and cast away and the clergy whom the so-called heretics had ordained were reordained by the hands of the orthodox End of section twenty one